This is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests and not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Need help around the house? Even the handiest do-it-yourselfer needs an extra hand sometimes. Let home inspector David Nason help you out during the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Show is sponsored by Siding Unlimited and JNB Construction. Dayton Kane still off this week. I'm Libby Collins in for Dayton along with David. And good morning, David. It's it's un- unseasonably yeah. warm today for, for mid-January, isn't it? Good morning, Libby. Good morning, everybody. Yes, it is, and it has been. Um, you know, after that uh, really cold snap that we had right around Christmas weekend, uh, it's been quite a warm uh, January. So I heard uh, earlier this week that, I don't know if it's been updated, but I imagine it has, uh, that it's been the warmest January on record so far. I mean, there's still a lot of January to go, don't get me wrong, but it, it has been warm. We've gotten a little, a little bit of snow, but it seems to melt. So in most cases, I've been able to see roofs of, of inspections. But yesterday I had a little snow on, on the roof, but... It, it has been crazy. Um, so, um, you know. But crazy I, in a, it's been crazy in a good way. Well, I'm liking it. I'm, I'm not a big <laughs> fan personally of, of snow. Uh, and I'm not, I don't get out and do a whole lot of sports, uh, winter sports activities or anything. So, you know, I, I'm not against harming the, I'm not, a, I'm not wanting to harm the planet or anything, but, you know, global warming. Yeah. You know, not, not, I don't, I'm not, I want global warming. I want, Southeastern Wisconsin warming. If we could have, if we could just have that, you know, where I live, um, you know. So, but but I, you know, I think probably winter is the hardest time on homes in terms of damages and things that can happen. And so, are you expecting this year, as we thaw out into spring, maybe not, maybe for homeowners to not have as many issues as they do in a lot of other years? So you're right. Winter can be difficult on a house. However, I'm. It, it's possible, and and I would say now would be a good time to get outside and and see if anything happened during that really cold, windy time that we had in December. Because sometimes, getting cold and then warming up and then getting cold again, going through that mm-hmm. freeze thaw process is is what's causing the most damage. That's why in spring. We have the problems with our roads, the heaving, the potholes and things, because the in spring is when things start to warm up and then it gets cold and it warms up and then it gets cold again. Whereas typically in fall, the it gets cold and it, and it stays cold through the winter. And so things just kind of settle in and they're cold and cold. And then spring is when we get that freeze thaw going back and forth. So I, I would say, it, like I said, get outside. You know, if if you're done with Christmas decorations, good time to take them down, uh, so they're not blowing around on your outside of your house or something. Also, probably a little safer if there's not any snow or ice around. Uh, get things kind of cleaned up. Make sure your downspout extensions are reattached. Um, any kind of cleanup that you want to do, and because, like I said, we are. You know, I'm I'm not I'm not fooling myself. I know it's going to get cold again, and it's going to snow. Uh, it it has every winter before, so it's going to again. Yeah, where what would you look for? I mean, if you're going to kind of perform your own personal home inspection, since the weather's a little bit mild right now, you walk out your front door. Where would you start? You mean if you you don't think I do that all the time? No, no, no. I'm <laughs> talking know. about right. No, no, no. Not you. I'm talking about the 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 average fan out there who's who's listening this morning. If they say, okay, it's it's a mild day today. And I think I will go out and I'll do my own sort of exterior inspection to see if there's anything that may have been damaged here in the last in the last couple of months. How how would you recommend they begin? Well, just uh, taking a, a good walk around the outside of your house, start a little further away so you get a good look at the outside of the home, and just look for things that look different that that something may have happened. Loose pieces of siding. Uh, window screens or maybe a storm window that might have gotten come loose in the wind or so just start with an overall look uh, on each elevation 
and then we'll get in a little closer and start to little look a little bit closer. You're not going to be able to do anything like probably painting or caulking unless it, maybe if you had to really in an emergency, you could caulk something. It's not going to look that good probably because it's going to be a little chilly. And there are some caulks that you can, you can use around freezing temperatures to, to fix that. But, but that's basically what I try to do in an inspection is walk around the outside of the house and then the next, the, you know, walk, as you walk around, walk back the other direction because seeing things in a different angle from a different point of view, sometimes you catch things. So, um, you know, I would, I would suggest going both ways around, around the outside of your house. If there's something that you don't think you can handle on your own, uh, where it's just putting a, snapping a piece of vinyl siding back in place or, or uh, re reattaching, like I said, a, a downspout extension or securing a, a storm window, then it would definitely be a good idea to get on, on the phone and, and call a contractor that you're familiar with or, you know, call in here if you have any questions or uh, I can give you a recommendation of somebody who could help you out. Uh, that's what we're here for, right? I'm glad you brought that up about calling today because, uh, you know, very often I know you get feedback saying, David, we want to talk to you more often, and this morning you're going to have the chance because we've got two full hours of an open line for you. So that means any questions at all dealing with your homes and, and well, things that, problems that you've been having, whether it's a heating or a plumbing or, or uh, you know, maybe you want to know how to install something yourself, this is your opportunity to give David Nason a call on the Fix-It Show. And you can do so by dialing 855-616-1620. It's the Old National Bank talk and text line, Old National Bank. Get old. It's all ahead this morning on the Fix-It Show. And we're going to tell you how you can meet David a little bit later on today. It's all ahead right here on WTMJ 813. He's inspected homes inside and out, and he's here for your home issues now. It's the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And David's also here to answer your questions on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Dayton Kane off today. I'm Libby Collins. All right, let's talk about where people can come out and meet you. I know we get a lot of a lot of comments from people saying, what does david nason look like and is he a nice is is he as nice in person as he seems on on the air so you're gonna you're gonna be someplace where people can come and talk to you today that's right yeah i I, you know the old joke i have a face for radio um you know in public uh i it's funny i've actually been asked if i'm tom faze's son i I don't think we look too i don't know i don't know if tom would like that well you know it was back when i sometimes would have either a goatee or beard tom's had a a little bit of a beard for a while uh you know both wear glasses and and i think maybe i changed my glasses but anyways so uh today i have been asked uh and i was there yesterday too but i've been asked to be at the metropolitan builders association home building i think spring home building show they call it uh home or home building and building remodeling, and remodeling show, show yeah. right that's at the state fair park in the exposition center the show's today from 10 a.m to 8 p.m and it runs tomorrow as well from uh, 10 a.m to 5 p.m i'm going to be there today uh, as part of an expert panel i believe they're calling it stump the expert at 2 p.m and I'll be on a panel with a, a couple other professionals in the building industry, and the and that I think that's running about a half an hour. And I think the idea is that if you can stump uh, one of us uh, with a question, I believe they're handing out gift cards uh, to anybody who can do that. So I got to brush up a little bit. I'd maybe do a little studying before that one, um, so that I don't get I don't be the uh, the one to give away gift cards. Uh, so I'll be there for that, and then again at four o'clock on the same stage. It's the Tim O'Brien. Um, I don't remember the name of the, the stage, but uh, it's on the the far end of the the um, exposition center. Uh, and I will be there at four o'clock doing a presentation. Uh, my t- the title of my presentation is "Top Ten Things or So to Maintain in and Around Your Home." So look for that, and then I'll be back again tomorrow uh, at two p.m. again another expert panel to answer questions about home building. I'm, I'm just sitting here right now trying to think of a question to stump you, David. And I, I, I have to admit, I mean, you are so well-read on these things. It would be pretty tough to do. 
You know, I I don't claim to know everything there is to know about a house. Uh, I don't know that Tom ever did either, but, uh, you know, I've learned a lot from Tom. I've learned a lot from all the other things I've ever done. I really try to go to as much as possible to the training seminars that the Wisconsin Association of Home Inspectors puts on, other types of uh, webinars and seminars, and and so uh, and just being in this this industry, what I do every day, you're just learning something. I'm, I'm still continuing learning something every day. And Dayton and I have done that a couple times where he's had a couple lists where we've had an open hour or something. He's like, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to go through some questions here and see if you can answer them. And I, I think I've been pretty successful, but like I said, I don't, I don't want to say I can get everything. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little nervous about later today at two o'clock. Somebody's <laughs> probably going to come up with a really good question, but, but we'll see how it goes. Well, I, we're not going to stump you this morning because we've already got some questions coming in on the old National Bank talk and text line, 855-616-1620. And we've got one. Somebody's got a problem in the bathroom. We're going to get to that question and so many others. It's all ahead right here on the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Looks like we've got uh, some sunshine today. It's not going to be too bad as far as temperature is concerned. And uh, right now it's 21 degrees at 721. Doing your home project but stuck on what to do next? We're here for you. This is the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Well, you've got a partly sunny Saturday ahead of you. It'll be a little bit on the cool side. 34 for a high. Not bad, though. 24 right now. We're here with David Nason, and you can get through and talk with him on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line, 855-616-1620. And, David, we do have a question already, mm-hmm. and uh, it starts out very pleasantly. Good morning. The bowl of a pedestal bathroom sink seems to have become loose, and uh, there's some caulking on the underside. Does this sound like something a plumber would have to fix? Uh, if not, could they get a handyman to do it? Well, so and so a, a pedestal lav is usually sitting on top of a pedestal, but the bowl itself is usually bolted to the wall. So it's not just supported by the the pedestal itself. The pedestal is usually there to to conceal or cover the plumbing, the the water lines and the drain that that go into the wall. And so you can you can definitely caulk that connection between the bowl and the the pedestal. However, what you probably want to do is make sure those bolts that go into the wall are tight. So if you get down there on your knees, look underneath there. There's one on either side. You probably need uh, hopefully, the uh, whoever installed it, the plumber uh, previously installed it, used uh, a lag bolt uh, that they were able to get into a stud, or or at least used a, a really hefty anchor in the wall, so that could be tightened up. And if you're having trouble with that, definitely a, a plumber could could do that. A handyman probably also could do that uh, as well. What would be some of the problems that might occur if you don't get that fixed? Well, it could fall off the wall would oh. be the number <laughs> one. That's a big one. <laughs> right. Uh, so if you're putting any kind of pressure on the, on the bowl, uh, it, it could come, come loose from the wall. You could, if things are loose, if it's just wobbly and, you don't, and it's not really in danger of falling off the wall, just constant movement uh, can make pipes loose. The drains, you know, if you're moving that, that drain underneath there, those drains under sinks are usually hand-tightened fittings, and so those just can come loose, and so you could get leaks underneath there. So all all sinks, whether it's your bathroom pedestal lav like this or, or a utility sink in a laundry room they, or a vanity, everything needs to be secured to the wall so that you don't cause any damage to the plumbing. You know, by everything coming loose. Mm-hmm. What's the biggest mistake people make when they're doing their own sort of handiwork in the bathroom? Well, probably the biggest mistake that I see is is well doing things wrong. So uh, I I will I typically see what I call to be amateur plumbing. Uh, I don't say handyman because I I know there and there may be listening. I know there are some really good. Uh, qualified and skilled handymen uh, in in the area, and they do good work. 
if, if you know, if you're considered a handyman. Um, so uh, I always refer to it as amateur, meaning usually it's a homeowner who's not familiar with what uh, they should be doing. And really what it comes down to is using the correct fittings and uh, with drains. And so it was, so I see a lot of times where a plumbing drain, you know, they'll get the trap on there, but then it's where it's going into the wall. It just, it's a, a 90 degree turn, a hard 90 degree turn. Well, water's not supposed to travel in a, on a 90 degree turn. We have to have things like a, a sweep type drain. So it, it gets a little technical. Uh, you could probably find out if you ask questions at, at a, a hardware store or a Home Depot or something uh, and, and get the right fittings. And then what we usually see is if the whoever's doing the work is using uh, purple primer on their, um, on their wait, fittings. Wait, wait, wait. What's, what's purple primer? <laughs> right. So when you put uh, PVC, pieces of PVC piping together, so the white piping for your all your plumbing drains, that in order to glue those together, they have to be primed first. So it's a it's a chemical process of the gluing where it actually chemically welds the pieces together. And in order to have a good fit so it doesn't leak and they don't come apart, the pieces have to be primed and then glued and you have to hold them in place. Well, the primer can either be purple or it can be clear. And I, I have yet to see a professional licensed plumber use purple primer and so it's it's usually a pretty pretty much a giveaway that when we see purple primer it's been done by uh an, an amateur or a homeowner and um so then then you start to look a little closer at how things are done very interesting i never heard of purple primer before <laughs> well david nason's got all kinds of information for you we've got more questions coming in on the old national bank talking text line uh including one about linoleum and that's a Good question. I want you to address that after the news, but uh, right now it's 7.30, so let's turn it over to the WTMJ Breaking News Center with Wyatt Barmore-Pooley. Wyatt? The home inspector is here to help with all your fix-it needs. This is the Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Welcome back. You've got an opportunity to talk to David today with an open line on the old National Bank Talk and Text line at 855-616-1620. I'm Libby Collins in for Dayton Kane. And, David, we've got some good questions coming in, and here's one I'm kind of intrigued about. Um, somebody, and good for them, they just recently bought a duplex, and they're living in the upper unit, but the kitchen has old linoleum. They want to know, should they tear it out all the way or put laminate over the top? And what's the best technique on that one, David? Uh, good question. Um, and so if it's old linoleum, depending on how old, it, there's, it is possible that there could be some asbestos in that material. It's, I can't say for sure. The only way you'd know, you'd have to have somebody do a test. So it's very common for people to just go right over layers of vinyl, linoleum, and and every once in a while uh, you hear about people remodeling a kitchen or you see on a remodeling show, uh, uh, then a major remodel happens and they see four or five layers of, of flooring on the kitchen floor. And it's not so much a problem going over the linoleum, but what you have to really be concerned about is you don't want to add too much height to that floor, especially if you have any stairs that are adjacent to that room. So if you have a basement stair or if there's the stair that goes out into the, into the you know, going down from the upper unit, you don't want to increase the height of that top step because all your steps should be uniform uh, in a row. And so when you add linoleum, or, or not linoleum, when you add laminate, especially if it's a thick laminate, you can be increasing that top step, which creates a trip hazard. Aside from that, if it's just a room that enters into other rooms, the only issue is that you, you're going to have to have a transition from the, the laminate to carpet or, or tile in the other rooms. And if it's flush, then, then I'd say go ahead, go right over it. Well, I've heard this, and tell me if, if it's correct or not, that you don't necessarily want to put laminate in a room where there could be a lot of water spills because it could get underneath it. Is that true? So the original laminates that came out, the Pergo and other brands that, that came out first, were very sensitive to moisture. 
and so you'd see the seams if you if you spilled something or uh, didn't wipe it up quickly or you mopped with too much water, you the seams would come up uh, quite a bit. The newer laminates, they've got they realize that, and they're I don't know if they're saying they're waterproof, but they're much more water resistant now than the, with the beginning ones. So I think it's still very popular flooring to see in in kitchens and bathrooms and such. What's more popular is the uh, uh, luxury vinyl planking, where that's oh, the LVT, the LVP. Yeah. yeah, so it's 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 much thinner. It's only about an eighth inch thick. It's a glue down product, and that's considered to be waterproof. Uh, but you do have to have a very smooth surface. So if your linoleum has any kind of uh, uh, impression or unevenness to it, then you'd want to put down probably a, a thin. Uh, underlayment down first and then put your LVP down. But most laminates are a floating type floor where you have to put down a little uh, thin uh, underlayment, it's a, but it's a material and it, so the floor floats a little bit and you can go over any kind of linoleum. Which would you put in a basement? Would you put the LVT or would you put a uh, laminate? Uh, I would probably go with more of a, a high quality laminate again because the floor is going to float a little bit on a on a um, on an underlayment. Unless maybe if you had a heated basement floor, not too many people have mm-hmm. that, and only because the LVP would be putting right down on the concrete, so it's going mm-hmm. to be in most cases it's going to be a little colder. Also, the concrete has to be nice, as I mentioned before. It, you're you're gluing that LVP down. Your concrete floor has to be really, uh, really smooth and level. Uh, sometimes you have some shrinkage cracks in the concrete floor. There might not be a large uh, variations in height at those cracks, but if there's any variation at all, that's going to transfer right through uh, the the LVP. Whereas the laminate product, it would would be able to go right over that. Are you a fan of carpeting in the basement? If it's a if it's a dry basement, sure, sure. As as long as you've taken the steps, if you're finishing the basement and you've taken the the steps to to keep things dry, uh, whether it's dehumidification, verifying that your drain tile is working properly, making sure that your grading and drainage around the house is is good so that you don't have any moisture coming through the walls, which ends up on the floors. I, I, I see a lot of very nice finished lower levels that have carpeting in it. So, yes, I think it can be done well. Well, this is the Fix-It Show. We've got David Nason here, and we've got open lines for you on the Old National Bank talk and text line. Old National Bank, get old. Uh, you can get through it, 855-616-1620. We've got some questions here about, uh, oh, looks like there's more water questions, David. We're right. going to get to those okay. and a lot more. It's all ahead right here on WTMJ. Uh it's going to be sunny today. This is not bad for mid-January. We'll get up to about 34 degrees, 24 right now at our studios at the 3rd Street Avenue uh, Food Hall right here in Milwaukee. If you don't know what's wrong with your house, he's here to help. This is the Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And I'm Libby Collins, and for Dayton Kane from the Annex Wealth Management Studios. And David, we've got a question here from uh, Elm Grove, mm-hmm. and uh, apparently they've got a well pressure tank settings, fifty to seventy, but they want to know should they be adjusted down because uh, it seems to be running pretty often. So I don't have a a, a well personally. Uh, you might in in your home, but um, oh, in Elm Grove, yeah, we all have wells, yeah, right? Yep. Right, um, and but I typically see well pressure uh, gauges or or pressure um, uh, regulators set between forty and sixty. So this might be a little high. Uh, so they could adjust that down, and 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 that might affect the the how often it runs. The other potential is there is if 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 um, if it's running more often. It could be an issue with the pump as well, and the pump might be wearing out uh, that it's that it's needing to run more often. So, I, I would say, uh, do you have a favorite uh, a well uh, inspector or company out in your area there, Libby? Oh, that you okay. use? Okay, 
I'm <laughs> okay. You're asking I, me for I names, right? Yes, yes. There are some. Spot. There actually, there are some very good ones. Yeah, and Guthrie and, and Fry is it, it yeah, yeah. Guthrie and Fry is very popular, uh, uh, well known. Um, S and K Pump and Plumbing. These are companies that that deal with these kind of things all the time. Uh, they could come out and take a look and see if if there's something that needs to be adjusted, either with the re- regulator or if it's something that uh, with the uh, with the pump itself especially if it hasn't been looked at in, in a while if you've been living in your home you haven't sold your home it hasn't been inspected in a while it, it's probably a good idea to have it checked out okay well related to that we've got another question about the sound of water pouring into the pump tank right and uh, they want to know they said they've gone out there and they've listened the last three days and they want to know if rain has anything to do with the sound of this water and does it run under the house into the tank and should they call somebody so we haven't really had that much rain so i wouldn't i wouldn't uh think that rain was an issue plus rain should not be going into that tank so if this is a septic tank uh water the way tanks work uh everything goes from your house when you from the drains goes into the the tank outside your house there's at least two chambers in that tank and the first chamber fills up, and I don't want to get too graphic here, but the first chamber fills up, solids uh, sink to the bottom, the liquids go over a wall that's between the two chambers and goes into the next chamber, and then the when that one fills up, it's either pumped or gravity-fed into the septic field. And so what she may be hearing is the, the liquids running over that wall into the other uh, chamber. Uh, however... Depending on the age of the system, uh, tanks can leak. They can they can get problems. So kind of like your well, if you've been living in your house for a while, and so you haven't sold your house, which when home homes sell, uh, wells and and septic systems get inspected. If you've just been living in your house and maybe you haven't pumped the tank in a little while, it sounds like it's just one person living there. It'd probably be a good idea to have a septic uh, contractor come out and take a look maybe pump the system and and take a look at the tank and, and do an inspection and make sure everything's working properly. Yeah, I know we've had ours inspected. It's a pretty it's a pretty easy process. I mean, these right. guys know what they're doing. Yeah, it's done all the time. You know, yeah. Like I said, We're, anytime a house is sold, it's, it, that system is being inspected. We're here with David Nason. We've got an open line for you on the old National Bank talk and text line. And uh, you can get through at 855-616-1620. Here's another one about a bathroom, Mm -hmm. David. um, Somebody says they're doing a bathroom update, but they want to know if they can install 12 by 24 porcelain tiles over an existing floor that's in good shape. And that's from Mark and Tosa. Right. So... What I'm thinking, if he's in Tosa, a good chance it's an older home, uh, and it, if it has an older tile floor, like these small hexagon or square tiles that we see, those are set in concrete or, or mortar set. And so if that floor is in really good shape, that's going to be a really good substrate or base for installing a new tile floor. So if if it's not cracked, if you, if you have cracks in the floor, that's an indication that something shifted and everything. There's a good chance that that crack could transfer into your your new tile that you put down, especially a 12 by 24. That's a large tile that you're going to be going over areas. So the one thing, if you're putting a new tile floor down on top of a tile floor, you're going to have to adjust the, the, um, the collar for the toilet so that sits properly. Uh, you were probably going to have to pull your vanity cabinet or pedestal lav um, if you don't want to cut around that. So there's a little bit of a little bit of work involved, but it can be done. And again, you would have possibly a, another a new transition between the the floor at the door opening. So you want to look at that as well. But if that tile floor is in good shape, it can be used as a base for a new tile floor. Well, twelve by twenty-four. You're right. Those are huge tiles. Right. What's is it easier if you're doing it yourself to install large tiles or the smaller ones? And I'm thinking, you know, specifically like those little penny tiles that come in in the sheets. Which right. which is the easiest one to to put in if you're doing it yourself? So I've had one of my bathrooms bathrooms remodeled, and um, 
I had somebody come and do the tile. <laughs> I could probably do it myself. <laughs> you know, I know I'm the fixer. I do a lot of things on my own home. I do the construction type things. I do some drywall. I do the carpentry work things. I hire plumbers. I hire electricians. I hired a tile guy because I wanted my tile to look good. And when I saw him putting down, I have a little, the little, what you call the, you know, the hexagon marble tiles on my floor. And I want, and we put heat in the floor as well. Um, I wanted that to be done correctly. And then we had nice subway tile on the walls. And it, it, it's probably something I could have done. It probably would have taken me forever because something like that, I would have been a perfectionist. And it looked like the little sheet tiles that takes quite a bit of skill to line those up correctly to make those good, look good. And then your larger tiles, either on the floor or the wall, you got to make sure you have the spacers that tiles guys use. I'm not saying you can't do it. There's probably a lot of YouTube videos that can help you with that and things. Are, or I think I've seen classes at Home Depot on Saturday mornings that help you install tile and everything. Uh, so I, I, if you if you really want to take it on, I, I encourage you to do it. Make sure you get all the stuff that you need to do it right and uh, pack your patience. It's 7.51. We have 24 degrees at WTMG. It's going to get up to 70, or it's going to get up to 34 today under sunny skies. We'll have more with David on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. It's your questions today on The Fix-It Show. Your own personal handyman. This is The Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And I'm Libby Collins at Dayton Kane. One more question on that old National Bank talk and text line, David. They have a GFI outlet that popped, and two other connected to it don't work either. Uh, the circuit breaker didn't trip, and they replaced the GFI outlet, but it still doesn't work. Should they call an, an electrician? So, electrical... I know I would. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm... I'm hesitant to usually to recommend people doing their own electrical work. As I said, I hire an electrician to do uh, my electrical work. I, I will admit I've replaced light fixtures. I'll replace a switch or an outlet. Uh, you got to really know what you're doing because uh, I don't want to be the person to say, yeah, go ahead and do that, and then people get a shock or they, worst case, you know, they do something to start a fire. But in this case, so GFCIs are – they, you got to understand how they work. So when when the power comes to a GFCI, anything on the the load side of that GFCI is going to be protected by that GFCI. So if this one tripped, the other ones that are connect to it to it on the other end, they're not they're not going to work either. As they say, they're not going to have power. Um, and the circuit breaker in the panel wouldn't trip if a GFCI trips. So if they replace the GFCI outlet and it still doesn't work, there's a good chance they didn't wire it correctly because GFCIs have to be wired correctly. It actually are instructions on the back on how to wire it correctly. So I would say if you're unsure of how you're doing it, if you've done it wrong, it would definitely be a good idea to get a hold of a plumber or plumber, an electrician. Uh, somebody like Current Electric would be a good company to uh, get a hold of. Um, they're a partner here on the on the show. They're advertising, um, and they're going to be up coming on the Fix It show here for us. So I would, and I'll be seeing them at the uh, NBA show today. And we'll talk more about that into the next hour. And if you have questions for David, the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line, Old National Bank, get all these open for you at 855-616-1620. And the Fix It show is sponsored by Siding Unlimited and J&B Construction. This has been the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests. At Not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, this is the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests. At Not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. Need help around the house? Even the handiest do-it-yourselfer needs an extra hand sometimes. Let Home Inspector David Nason help you out during the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. And 
the Fix It Show is sponsored by Sliding Unlimited and JMD Construction. Dayton Kane is taking the day off. I'm Libby Collins along with David Nason. And today is your chance to talk with David on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line. Old National Bank, get old. At 855-616-1620 because we have an open line on the show this morning. Very popular feature here. And <laughs> David, uh, you know, before the break, we were talking about that uh GFCI right. that, that somebody had a problem with. And tell me if I'm wrong. Is this one of the more common safety issues that you run into when you're inspecting homes? GFCIs are a very a very common thing that I, that I call, I guess I'll call out, say I call out on an inspection report. Um, whether or not they're working properly or if they're not there, uh, as as I tell everybody, I'm not a building inspector. The a home inspection is not intended to make sure the home you're buying, or if, if I'm doing an inspection for the home you live in, uh, to make sure that it meets code. It, that's not the purpose of a home inspection. Purpose of a home inspection is to advise the buyer or the, or the owner uh, what the condition of the home is and to identify safety hazards primarily. And GFCIs are considered to be a life safety device. They will save your life in the event that you come in contact with electricity and water. And that's why GFCIs are required to be today in a brand new home being built. They are required to be in your kitchen, in your bathroom, in your garage, outside on the exterior of your home, on porches, and in unfinished basement areas, in your laundry room. And I'm not sure if I got them all, but I think that's most of them. Probably the big one, you know, is the unfinished basement area. So if you're buying a new home and the basement's not finished yet, anywhere that you have a, an, an outlet receptacle downstairs there, whether it's on the, the furnace, it's over by the, the uh, sump pump, and those, those should be GFCI protected. So uh, because they're a life safety device, I will call them out if they're not there. Or if they're not working properly. All right. Well, I, we've got some calls coming yeah. in, and uh, let's find out what Brent in Menominee Falls has to say. Brent, good morning. You're on the Fix It Show with David Nason. And good morning. Good morning, Brent. Uh, we built our house about 32 years ago. We have a 10 course uh, cinder block basement, and when the house was first being framed, uh, you know, it rained. There was about a foot of water in the basement, and, and that's not unusual. Um, since then, we've had a dry basement, but I do notice along um, uh, parts of the basement wall, there's that white powder uh, that I see, and um, sometimes where the wall joins the floor, sometimes on the wall. Uh, I thought I noticed that soon after the house was built, but I was just wondering, um, I improved the grading outside last year. I trucked in some dirt. I think that was part of the problem. I was just wondering how I cleaned that off and if I should have any concern. So that white powdery substance that you're seeing on the walls is called efflorescence. It is a result of moisture coming through the wall, through the masonry. There's things like lime and other minerals in the, the mortar, in the ground. And when water comes through that foundation wall and then it evaporates into the air in your basement, it leaves behind efflorescence. And so if you're, you're courageous enough to try, it's actually going to taste a little salty if you wanted to, but I wouldn't advise it. Um, so cleaning it off the walls, usually that can come off uh, pretty easily with a, if they, with a wire brush or a bristle brush and it's, it's not harmful. It's, it's, it's really not, sometimes people think it's a mold. It's really not a mold, but it's, if you brush it off the walls, it'll fall to the floor and then you can, you should be able to sweep that up. So it is a result. I was, I was happy to hear that you said you improved the grading and drainage around your home. Uh, what did Tom always saw? say? Gutters, downspouts, and gutters, grading, and downspouts. I think that's how the gutters, grading, and downspouts. Fix those things. Get the water away from your house. We're mostly concerned about the four to six feet around your house. Get the water away. Make sure your downspouts are 
are pitched very well and getting that water away from your house. Now, if you're having it all the way around or maybe uh, long walls, you have it down at the bottom course of block, uh, that can potentially be a drain tile issue uh, where the drain tile's not functioning as it should be anymore, whether it's the exterior drain tile or interior drain tile. And uh, that can be checked. Um, but what I would recommend, if you, if, if you clean it up and it comes back, then then you might then I would have somebody take a look at it. But if you clean it up and if it never comes back, then then you should be fine. If the, the, what you did outside um, worked, but um, uh, accurate basement repair. If there I have the, the SRS and put a dry basement. Um, does that mean that I'm if the water is not coming through the the uh, cinder blocks? Well, it, so when you say dry basement, there's always going to be some moisture in that that concrete block wall. The concrete block never dries out 100%. So there's always some moisture. Uh, putting your hand on it, you know, you know, oh, yeah, it feels dry. Well, you have moisture in your hand. There's moisture in the block. So you really can't 100% tell. So it may be, quote, unquote, dry, but there's always going to be a little bit of moisture coming through that wall, and and, and so it could be causing that. Um, oh. Okay. okay, we we, we got to get to Brent. Brent. Brent, Brent, I'm going to interrupt you just one second. Yes, if you sir. could hold that thought, we've got to get to a break right here on the Fix It Show. It is eight fourteen, and uh, we're coming up to about twenty five degrees. We're going to get up to thirty four under sunny skies today at WTMJ. From big fixes to do-it-yourself projects, this is the Fix It Show with David Mason on WTMJ. It's 818, 25 degrees. We're going to get up to 34 under sunny skies today. David, I want to follow up on, on Brent's question. He wasn't sure. able to hold on. Mm-hmm. Uh, in terms of that grading, uh, can you ever have too much grading around a house? Sure, yes. Uh, if you if your house is lower to the ground, what you don't want to do is bury your siding, whether it's vinyl, aluminum, Wood siding, you really don't want to bury that in dirt or mulch. So you can, if you increase it too much, you could be doing that. But also, if you have stone or brick on your outside of your house, you you also don't want to raise the dirt too high on that as well. The dirt is, or the brick and or stone comes down and covers the the framing where where your foundation goes from the foundation to the framing. If you get that dirt up above that port. Mortar and brick and stone, they're all porous. Water can get through there as well. So, yes, you can have too much, but you do want to have a good amount. If you got uh, Tom Faze's book, How to Operate Your Home, there's some very good uh, diagrams in there about proper grading and how it should be done. All right. Well, you know, last week or I, last week we talked about this because January is EPA's National Radon Action Month, and I know over the last uh, week you've gotten a lot of questions about that. Let's remind everybody why it's important to test for radon. Because uh, radon is the second leading cause of lung cancer, uh, second only behind smoking. So, uh, as you said, it's national. Radon Action Month, uh, EPA wants you to take action, which means having a test done or having a system installed in your house. And so um, it's an unhealthy uh, gas that naturally occurs that comes up out of the ground. Every building that's in contact with the ground is going to have some level of radon in it, and they set a, a, an action level of 4.0 picocuries per liter. I know that measurement doesn't mean a lot to people other than scientists, um, but we look for 4.0 and that's an action level. It's not a safe level. Uh, so contact uh, myself or a radon mitigation company. We had Lifetime Radon last week. You could call them uh, or look up lowradon.org, lowradon.org, and that will give you a whole lot of information about radon. And am I correct? You might be offering some kind of a discount I am. Yes, thank you for asking that. So for the month of January, since it is National Radon Action um, Month, I am offering a discount on my radon testing if you include it with a home inspection. I won't. I unfortunately can't do it if I'm just doing a radon test, but if you do a book a home inspection with me and you want to do a radon test, my um, my I will discount the radon test down to one hundred dollars from the normal one one hundred forty five dollars. 
Okay, well, that's good to know. By the way, you know, I don't, I don't think I've asked you this this morning, but uh, if anyone wants to get in touch with you off the air mm-hmm. to talk about home inspection, how do they do it? You can give me a call or text at 262-443-8958, 262-443-8958, my website, bestinspectionsllc.com. You can fill out a form there, uh, and my email, bestinspectionsllc at gmail.com. David Nason is here, and if you have questions for him, we have an open line this morning. How lucky is that? The Old National Bank talk and text line is open for you, Old National Bank. Get old at 855-616-1620. We're still getting some questions about GFCIs. We'll ask about that. Also, I had a question about some plumbing. We'll talk about that as well. It's all ahead on the Fix-It Show right here on WTMJ. You don't have to do it yourself, but now you can Welcome back to the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And by the way, the Fix It Show is sponsored by Siding Unlimited and J and B Construction. And David, just to follow up here on one of these GFCI uh, questions we had, somebody says that they've got a nightlight in the bathroom, and they have to fix that GFCI about every two or three days. Is that a problem? So it's doing what it's supposed to be. I mean, there's a potential that there's a high level of humidity in the bathroom causing it, but what most likely is happening is the the little circuit inside that GFCI, so that there's the test and reset buttons on there. What you're doing is you're uh, creating a ground fault by pushing that test button. When I'm doing my inspections, I use a little tester outlet tester, and it has a button in it. It also creates a ground fault, and that is tripping that um, that circuit inside the receptacle. And so it's the little circuit inside there is probably getting weak, and, and it's working, but it's probably best to plan to replace it soon. Because, and, and, yeah, I was going to say, when a, um, when a GFCI, uh, when it trips, and it, so that little thing pops out and you can't push that back in, or if you push the test button and it won't trip, and it, it so that won't pop out, and you still have power in either of those cases, you um, you have to replace the GFCI because it's no longer working properly. Okay, here's a question on the old National uh, Bank talk and text line. Uh, I know I'm supposed to have a GFCI in all the bathrooms and the kitchens and any place where there's water, but is there any reason why I shouldn't have a GFCI in all my outlets? Because again, it's a water issue. Uh, you're not going to generally be in contact with water. I mean, you could spill something in your living room and you have water. But what we're seeing now is something differently. What's required is is it's not a um, an outlet. It's down in your circuit panel. Newer homes has what they have is called an arc fault circuit interrupter, and that's a whole. It's similar but different. And that in in both cases, it's measure. This is about measuring electric flow and we don't want in a gfci we don't want water to come in contact with uh water water is a very good conductor of electricity it it attracts electricity and guess what we have a lot of water in us we conduct electricity very well as well and so we're trying to mitigate uh any chance from being electrocuted an arc fault circuit interrupter is measuring the uh the flow of electricity on the hot and the neutral and if there's a difference there that breaker will trip because what we're trying, what that's trying to measure is if there's a a leak, quote unquote, leak in the electricity. So maybe a frayed uh, electrical cord on your carpet, or or something like that, which could cause a shock to somebody or start a fire. So the places where we don't have GFCIs are now in newer homes being protected by arc fault circuit interrupters. Somebody in an older home could gen- definitely have an electrician come in and put those in. These are these circuits breakers are quite expensive, uh, so they're not required. You're not required to make an old home meet current standards, but definitely new homes have them in them. You wonder if in the future, as a home inspector, is that something that you think will be required to have these arc fault detectors? Go back in an, in an old home. Yeah, yeah. No. I mean, you know, because I mean, they do upgrade. You know, periodically, there's stuff in older homes. Sure. That. That was okay then, but now we've got to upgrade it if we sell the home. Do you think that there's any chance in the future that, that they will demand that? 
Uh, well, so we used to have that law is called uh, code compliance, which mm-hmm. uh, basically if you're selling a house, you had to have a building inspector come through and check certain things. That law, that law got repealed because it it's it, it would it's very difficult to have some of these old homes. Um, you know, my house was built in 1927, and it was built when it, you know we did we have codes back then. Um, so it, it, I don't see that ever happening where they would require people to go back. Now, if you're doing new work in your old home, that new work has to meet, meet, meet our new standards, but, um, I don't think they'll make people go back and and change everything. I hope you're right. (laughs) All right. We've got David Mason here. It's the fix it show. If you want to talk with him, the old national bank talk and text line is open at 855-616-1620. It is 830. And from the WTMJ Breaking News Center, here's Wyatt Barmer-Pooley. Wyatt? Don't just settle with home annoyances. Fix them. It's the fix it show with David Mason on WTMJ. It's 835. 25 degrees on Ruby Collins and for Dayton Kane. And uh, we've got a very special guest here for a few minutes, David, and that's one of my favorites, Fawn Pomeroy from Olson's Power and Equipment. And hey, Fawn, it uh, hasn't been too busy for you this season <laughs> without all that snow, has it? No, it has not. Uh, we've been doing our snow dance over here. Uh, but <laughs> the good part of that, I guess, is... Um, we actually did start up our tune-up special um, where customers can get 15% off of parts and labor since we can get to a lot of these machines. Um, and then you don't have to wait in spring when we're backed up six, eight, you know, eight weeks. Um, we can get it done now and save some money. What? You said save money? <laughs> Tell us yeah, about I know, that. I know. that you, you said the magic word to me. <laughs> I, I, you know, it, it adds up. So, you know, people, depending on what they need, I mean, um, some of these zero turns, you know, some of the bigger ones where they have to do hydro changes, um, they take 5 to 11 quarts of this hydro fluid, so you can save 15% on that, and, that, you know, that that adds up. So if you're thinking about, oh, I need new blades, or, you know, this might be a good time for adding new new belts, um, this is a good time uh, to do it. So, yeah, we started it early. Um, we're running it through uh, March, um, so people do have some time if they have to charge their batteries, if they were smart and took them out you know, put them, you know, in the house so they don't freeze. But, uh, yeah, but other than that, we're we're consistent, which is good. All right, good. I stopped out by uh, Olson's on Thursday, Fawn, saw you, and ordered a new uh, blade for my lawnmower. People know that I, I had a little lawnmower blade issue this summer, but uh, took care of that, got a filter, got a, a, um, a spark plug, and picked up a can of... Oh, I just blanked on it. What, what do we spray on, on snow? Not ethanol. Oh, the uh, snow jet. Snow jet, yes. Yep. So when we yeah, get snow. Re- yeah, when we get snow. But you can use it, you know, we talked about this a while ago. I mean, I use it on my the metal, okay, not the wood, not the vinyl, okay, because it's a petroleum base. Um, but I use it on the slides on my patio door. Um, you know, clean it up a little bit. Out of that, it just it makes that patio door like it's uh, like it's brand new again. So, I mean, shovels. I mean, anything that's got you need something that's got a, a slippery surface to um, shower doors works really good on that as well. If they start sticking, um, so couple couple uses for snow jet. Great. Oh, and how do you put that on? Like, if you're putting it on uh, your shower door or your uh, patio door, do you just spray it on? I just how spray does it. That work? Yep, just spray it on. Go close and spray it on. And then what I do is just to make it even, I just take a a, a paper toweling, um, and then I just go really lightly over it so it kind of sp- spreads it out a little bit, and then slide the door back and forth, and you're done. All right. But yeah, it, it, it works. It works well. But uh, yep. So we're doing lots of tune-ups now. So well, fun. Somebody's out there. Yeah, fun. Let's tell everybody where you are and your phone number, just in case you want to reach yep, out. We're on a, basically 143rd in College, so we are about a quarter mile uh, west of Janesville Road, right uh, by the Quick Trip, New Quick Trip, or exactly one mile east of Moreland Road on College. If anybody knows bars, we're just Kitty Corner from Maddie's Bar and Grill, and we'll be here today, nine to uh, nine to noon. Today, uh, we actually cut our hours. Uh, during the week, we're open uh, only till 4. Um, so the guys get a little bit of rest before our, our truly busy season. Yeah, and our well. number here is 
1930. Fawn Pomeroy from Elson's Power and Equipment. Always great to have you here. Yeah. Thanks for yeah, calling in, Fawn. Yeah, talk to you again. Thanks, Dave. We'll talk to you guys soon. Take care. Bye. You know, I, how can somebody who does as much work as Fawn does always sound so upbeat? Yeah, she, I mean, I know she works really hard, but she is just one of the most upbeat people I've ever talked with. Yep, got a great attitude. Yep, she sure does. All right, well, we're coming up here to uh, 840, and uh, we've got some more questions coming in on the talk and text line, on the old National Bank talk and text line. Somebody wants to know about uh, epoxy paints, and we'll get to that question. It's all ahead right here on the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. We expect to be up to about 34 degrees. It's going to be sunny, which is kind of nice for this time of the year. And right now we have 25 degrees at WTMJ. He's inspected homes inside and out, and he's here for your home issues now. It's the Fix It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. Wow, David, we're getting a lot of texts in this morning on the old National yes. Bank yes. talking text slide. Let's uh, check out Bruce. He wants to know about your opinion on that concrete epoxy paint for a basement floor, and how would you prep that floor before applying it? So I'll go back to, I, I love quoting Tom Faza, um, good friend of mine and, and, and everybody here, but um, clean, dry, and dull. That's what he always said about painting, clean, dry, and any surface, clean, dry, and dull. So if you're going to paint your basement floor, whether it's with a regular concrete paint or epoxy paint, you got to make sure you clean the floor, dry it, and make sure that it also isn't all shiny. So that might so the process might need to reverse a little bit if it's shiny you might need to rough it up a little bit whether that's um, a scotch pad or sandpaper or something and just make sure it's got a dull surface you want it shiny surfaces don't have any real grip to them so you want the you need what they call a tooth for the the paint to grab onto so dull it up um, and they also make some uh, liquid um, uh, I can't think of the term, but the liquid products that will make a surface dull. So you could rub that on there and then clean it and then make sure it's dry before you put any product down. And then follow the instructions for how long you have to wait before you either can A, walk on it, or then sometimes you can walk on surfaces uh, for a while before you can actually put a rug down or replace your furniture. About how long should um, epoxy floor finish last? Well, uh, that's a good question. I'm I'm not 100% sure on that, but uh, the the product itself, and it kind of depends, I think, what you're putting down. I think a lot of times people buy a product and, and it, it says e epoxy. You have to make sure what you're actually getting. Um, I recently had my front stoop done by uh, Serta Pro Painters, and now they used a polyurea product where it's a little different than epoxy. Epoxy is going to dry hard, which can crack, whereas the polyurea product will stay a little softer. My front porch looks awesome. They did a great mm. job. So if you are if you really want it to look professionally, Tom Faza had Serta Pro Painter do his garage floor, looks, which looks great, a four-car garage. Uh, that looks great. So uh, you definitely can do that yourself. Uh, but if you really want to have questions, Matt Hefter over at Serta Pro Painter is always uh, available to ask questions. Uh, could give you a quote to do that as well. Yeah, we had Serta Pro do our garage floor, and you're right. It looks amazing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right, uh, listen, uh, somebody else, uh, we were talking about grading before, David, mm -hmm. and we've got another question here about uh, that that outdoor grading. It said where the outdoor siding stops they're seeing some pink board covered with concrete, and that concrete's cracking in spots. What should they do? Should they just apply more concrete, use a foam? Um, and there, do you think that's a professional job? Right. So what they're seeing is the foam insulation that's required to be on the outside of the foundation uh, that is exposed above the, the ground. So it wasn't too long ago that that was required on newer homes. The foundation wall has to be insulated from the footing all the way up to where the siding begins because at that point, then we're insulating the walls. So that pink foam can't be exposed to the weather. The ultraviolet rays of the sun will break it down. 
So it has to be covered with something. And there's really three options that I see, either a vinyl product or an aluminum product or, in this case, a, a concrete or a mortar-type product. It's almost like plaster that is troweled onto the outside of the, uh, the insulation. Well, as that insulation expands and contracts, maybe it's got a little bit of moisture in it and it's gonna, it is going to crack. Um, that is something you could probably do yourself. You would need to get the loose pieces of, of the concrete or the mortar off the foam. If there's any loose pieces of foam, get those off. Again, kind of the clean, dry, and dull. Get things cleaned off. Make sure it's dry. And there's probably a product that you could purchase at a, at a big box store or a hardware store that would be made for something like this. Another term for this might be called parging. Sometimes we see that on the inside of old foundation walls in, in an effort to kind of repair the surface of them. Um, companies that do plaster work or exterior stucco work, creative construction, we just heard a commercial for them uh, a, a little bit ago. They would possibly be able to repair this if you had a lot of it, uh, but they would also be a resource. Probably you could call and ask them questions about it, what, what product to use on that. Oh, well, here's another question for you. Uh, somebody's going to buy an older home, maybe, but they want to know your opinion about asbestos-lined pipes that have been encapsulated. So that's one of two ways of dealing with asbestos is to have that encapsulated or to have it removed. Having it removed is the messier process where you got to they dress up in those white suits and masks and they got to double bag everything and make sure everything's clean. The process of encapsulating the, the pipes is definitely an accepted practice, and the asbestos insulation is, is a really good product for ins insulation. It's unfortunate that it's harmful if it becomes damaged and, and you can breathe it in your, your lungs. So if it's done well, if it's in really good shape and encapsulated, I see no problem with that at all. It's done very often. All right, we're here with David Nason, and we're going to tell you in just a couple minutes how you can meet David in person. It's all ahead on the Fix-It Show. It's going to be sunny today. We'll get up to about 34 degrees, 25 degrees at 8.50 on WTMJ. Doing your home project but stuck on what to do next? We're here for you. This is the Fix-It Show with David Nason on WTMJ. And I'm Libby Collinson for Dayton Kane. Hey, before we tell everybody where they can meet you later on today, David, I got a question. You got to help me out with my husband. Oh. So, <laughs> so this week, the 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 thermostat went a little wonky. I mean, you know, it it should have read like seventy two degrees, and I looked at it and it said forty five, and then I adjusted it and it went back to seventy two. He says it just needs a battery. I'm wondering if I need a whole new thermostat. What do you What do you say? Hmm. From the studio here, it's a little hard to tell. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, it makes sense to try the battery first mm, and, you know, right. check that, make sure that's the, the cause. That, that, would be the, that would be the easiest thing to try. Um, if do, it's all a, thermostats, if, do all thermostats have batteries? Yes, because they, they, all they're working on is, um, and so they need the battery to run the controls the, the the LED readout and everything, but they are controlling the thir the furnace with low voltage uh, wiring. So it's not voltage wiring, you know, electricity kind of thing. So um, that's generated from the furnace. But yes, they do need batteries. And most new furnace or new thermostats will tell you when they need new batteries. It tells you. Well, not physically <laughs> speaks to you, but. Either on the display, or if you're running the thermostat with your app on your phone, it should should indicate when it needs a new battery. Ah, uh, so you're taking my husband's side. <laughs> no, All right, David. No, I said check that first. <laughs> you know, that's the easiest thing to do. Don't just go out and buy a new thermostat. <laughs> well, I always want to buy new. Anyway, David, let's let's talk about you because I know so often everyone wants to come out and meet you face to face mm -hmm. and and put you know put that face to the voice they hear every Saturday and you're going to be at the Metropolitan Builders Association show at State Fair Park today. Yes, I am. Going to I have an inspection right after the show here, but I should be out there around 1 o'clock or so and then I will be on stage at 2 p.m. For a stump the expert panel, so people can come and try to stump myself or other people on the panel, 
I believe gift cards are uh, awards for doing that. And then I will be back on the stage at 4 p.m. for making a presentation, uh, top 10 things or so of things to maintain in, in and around your home. So I'll be out there, should be most of the afternoon. Uh, if people want to say hi to me and ask me questions personally, I'd be happy to do that. And, David, if anyone wants to reach out to you because they're thinking about getting a home inspection, how do they do it? <laughs> yes, thank you. They can give me a call or text me at 262-443-8958 and my website, bestinspectionsllc.com. They can contact me through the form on there, uh, find out more about me, my bio, other things that I'm doing and, and involved in as well. Well, this was a fun show today. Yes. The last couple of weeks I've enjoyed being here, but Dayton's going to be back next week. He should be, as long as his plane gets him home. Yeah, let's but he's hope got, so. He's got Rose on, his, on the case working it out for him. Yeah, well, we'll talk to Rose about some of those right. things after the news, too. Right. David Thanks, Nason. Libby. Oh, thank you so much. Always great talking with you. I'm Libby Collins in for Dayton Kane, and I'll be back right after the news with Rose Gray. It's, it's going to be the Fox World Travel Show after we hear from Wyatt in the newsroom. And the Fix It Show is sponsored by Siding Unlimited and J&B Construction. This has been the Fix-It Show on WTMJ. Advice and opinions expressed during the program are solely that of the hosts or guests at Not WTMJ Radio or Good Karma Brands Milwaukee, LLC. LLC.